It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports, where today I tell you, it's just the very beginning. Welcome in. We are live here on this Wednesday. We've got a lot to get to, including the possibility of 14 consecutive wins for the Atlanta Braves. Grant McCauley going to join us here in a little bit. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And of course, hashtag today, Sleeveless Radio. Uh, Pat McAfee, you got nothing. All right, uh, we got a lot to get to, uh, and let's start with Falcons training camp or mini camp, I should say, because I was out there yesterday, and you know it's interesting as it was kind of a weird day. You know they were supposed to get practice started as soon as they they get out there and stretch. All of a sudden these these storm clouds roll in. It hadn't even started raining yet. They pull everybody off the field. They wait for the lightning to pass. It ends up pouring down rain. Uh, it was a, it was a very uncommon sort of um, you know day and then they finally get practice done uh at the end of the uh, after you know the rain delay at the end of the day and everything else um and a couple of just i guess sort of observations at least from my standpoint you know again i told you what i was looking for yesterday uh and, and i did have a close eye on desmond ritter and initial reaction was just simply that he still needs to develop more right uh, i mean Marcus Mariota isn't exactly an accomplished passer in the NFL. And I don't say that as a pejorative. I just say it as a statement of fact, uh, you know, based off of what we've seen and the data that we have on his career. He's not the most accomplished passer. And there is a clear difference between him and Desmond Ritter when they throw the ball. I think you could see it. It's obvious. Even though it's seven on seven and there's no pads. And oh, by the way, I was wrong. Uh, they don't put on pads during minicamp. So I apologize for saying that yesterday. Uh, so uh, anybody who's listening, I, I my, my mea culpa. But they won't put on pads during minicamp, not even for one day. Uh, I, I forget when that changed. I just, you know, minicamp is like one of those things where, again, and I haven't been out there in two years. So I, uh, full disclosure, I haven't really taken note of when they're throwing pads on. But regardless, anyway, um, even though there was seven on seven, you can tell, you can see how much they – there is a difference between Mariota and Ritter. There's just a little more polish with Mariota. And, and a lot of that is just experience, right? Like there's, there's nothing wrong with admitting that a quarterback who's been in this league for what, seven years now, eight years, whatever it may be. Uh, I forget when he came out, but regardless, been in this league for a long time is a more polished passer than a kid who has yet to take a snap in anger in an NFL uniform. So uh, I understand that. There's just some ways you can tell some guys come out and they look a lot more polished. 
and Ritter's not there yet. And that's okay. It really is. Like, we have to, even I have to, as much as I want to see what Ritter is, as much as I want to see how he plays and, and what sort of level he has, I am very much understanding that you see it, you acknowledge it and go, okay, let's not start expecting this to be ahead of where it should be at this point in time. Right. I mean, if you take a Felipe Franks or you took a Josh Rosen who was here, whatever it may be, and you saw them struggle, you'd go, oh, well, that makes sense. It should be the same thing for Ritter. We're going to have a lot of expectations for him. And I'm not saying this, this young man can't handle it. What I am saying here is that the coaching staff knows better and the coaching staff understands regardless of expectations from fan bases, media, and everybody else that their first priority is to, one, do as much as you can to win as many games as you can, and then two, continue to develop all the talent on the roster across the board, right? Like that is inherent in their job. So um, that's where they are right now, at least my initial takeaways from the uh, from the practice yesterday from a Desmond Ritter standpoint. You know, um, I, I think you see uh, some of the younger guys. I, I looked at Arnold and Katie. He looks like a, you know, uh, it's hard to tell what kind of player he's going to be or, or how much speed they have and things of that nature. But, you know, uh, looks like everything you thought he was going to be. Same with Drake London, big guy. I mean, it's his size is undeniable. You know, it's going to be a factor. Let's just see how they use it. Um, And really, I was overall looking at the tempo and understanding what that was. And and one of the things I want to look for today, again, full disclosure, again, recording this before I head out to camp. um, But I want to just look for the level of intensity and how they're going to ratchet that up and how they're going to push that to get to a better spot than it was uh, or a more increased spot than it was yesterday. Because generally that's what coaches try to do is ramp up the intensity a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, um, and and see where they can go from there. So, um, and and once you get out there, and again, I, I kind of have to also remind myself like, hey, you know, it's, you. I even have to pump the brakes on where we are in the off season because we're just not very deep into it. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that, that'll change uh, and, and you still have a lot more bodies to figure out what they can and can't do um, by the time the middle of training camp rolls around, right? So uh, let's, again, one step, one day at a time, figure out where this is going to go. But uh, I'll continue to keep my eye on Ritter and how he looks and, and continue to uh, look at a variety of, of different players and just try to pick up on as much as I can out there. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Braves win again last night. Uh, they now have 13 in a row. They will go for the sweep of the Nationals and 14 in a row uh, tonight in D.C. Uh, it's been impressive to say the least. And I'll, I will say this again to everybody who's saying that it's against the, the Pirates and the A's and the Nationals. These are all bad teams. Folks, the Braves did not choose this schedule and for all these bad teams to be put together back to back to back. They did not choose it. They did not ask for it. This is where it was. It was there before they started their first pitch of the season. It was there when they were five games below 500. It was there when they got close to 500 and didn't and lost again. It was there when they hadn't had a winning streak longer than two games. So they didn't choose this. So stop saying it's against bad teams. So what? Oh, by the way, in case you didn't notice, earlier in the year, they were losing to bad teams like the Reds, like the Marlins, like the Nationals. And now they're beating bad teams. So 
I don't know what the hell anybody is complaining about. Like, it really is head-scratching that there's a single Braves fan out there who's complaining about winning 13 in a row. Like, if you don't understand how hard it is to win 13 consecutive games in Major League Baseball, it doesn't happen every single year. There's not a team that pulls off this winning streak every single year. It is very, very difficult, okay? And uh, you should just respect the streak, as they say, in baseball circles. Speaking of respect... Our next guest will deserve nothing but the very best of it. He's the best baseball man in this city and part of our Braves postcast right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Great McCauley going to join us next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back. Welcome back into A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno. Follow our next guest in everything that he does, both online, on the radio, on podcasts, everywhere. He's at Grant McCauley, host of From the Diamond Podcast. You can hear him on 929 The Game. And of course, you can hear him. On our Braves postcast, Grant McCauley joins us here on A to Z. GMAC, great to see you as always, brother. Great to have you in here and great to be pondering what it's like to win 14 in a row, buddy. Yeah, I mean, this is where the Braves have put themselves. It took a minute to get here, but I would say, you know, they're late than never. Of course, I don't know that June is too incredibly late, but when you started to look at the NLE standings, it looked like early with the way they're running away from the pack. So the Braves are doing exactly what they needed to do. They're beating the teams they're supposed to be beating, and the result of it, to this point, a 13-game winning streak. And before we get into the streak, it's like the idea that people are complaining that they're doing it against bad talent to me is beyond laughable. It's not like the Braves scheduled these teams in a row when they were four games under 500 at the beginning of June. Like, they didn't choose this. This was predetermined. And oh, by the way, they were losing earlier in the year to the Reds, to the Marlins, to the Nationals. Like, they were losing to those teams. Now they're beating them. Who the hell is complaining about a 14-game winning streak? Or 13, I'm sorry. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I would imagine that, that uh, Mets might be complaining about it a little bit. Otherwise, <laughs> I mean, watching their lead kind of you know get, get cut in half, I can't really come up with a good theory of why anybody who's pulling for the Braves would be upset whatsoever about a 13-game winning streak because – let me give you a little bit of history. This kind of happens about once every decade or so. The 82 team won 13 in a row. The Braves won 13 in a row. The 2000 Braves won 15 in a row. And the 2013 Braves won 14 games in a row. So if you're looking for a winning streak like this, you got to wait about 10 years to find one of them. And it, I don't care who you're playing against, beating teams every single night, if it was that easy, so hard. trust me, everybody would do it. Even the 100 wins every year don't necessarily get a series like this or, or a run like this, and they get the same kind of teams on their schedule. It's not easy to teams over and over and over. That's what the Braves have been doing here since the calendar turned to the month of June. And I think it's impressive because this was not a club that was showing that it could even beat teams in this manner and, and under 500 teams on a regular basis for April and May. So they have flipped a switch. They have found a way to win. Their offense has come to life. I felt like that was the key to everything. And there's a lot of reasons why they're on this run. And hopefully they continue it for a while. Well, and, you know, remember, Braves fans, like the longest winning streak they had prior to 13 was two. So, again, the idea that anybody's going to be uh, upset that you're beating up on teams that are worse than you are is just 
and, and the randomness of baseball of doing it every night, like the idea that, you know, you just get enough good starting pitching and enough gooding over good hitting over this long period is so difficult to do in the game. But speaking of good hitting, I look at this and the one thing that jumped off the page to me, and, and it seems to be this team goes as Ronald Acuna goes, but he's batting like 398 through on this winning streak. Clearly, he's hitting the ball at the ballpark, and he's got seven stolen bases. His OBP and his slash line are near a 1,000, so he always seems to be the catalyst for everything good offensively that happens for this team. I mean, it certainly helps. I mean, this was the guy that they were waiting to get back at their order, and they were waiting, I think, to have the Ronald Acuna Jr. that didn't have as many restrictions, that you weren't having to DH for a couple of days, then give an off day, then maybe play in right field for a day or two, and then – a couple of leg injuries cropped up and took him away for five games or two or three games here or there that they were waiting for the consistency and the continuity of being able to plug him back in, not only at the top of the lineup, but in right field as well. Because once they did that, and once they brought up Michael Harris, fall over to left field, now they have defensively an entirely different outfield and the outfield that they truly need. But yeah, Donald sets the tone at the top of the order. He's one of the most dynamic, exciting players in baseball. I think that he's about as close as he can to being the player we remembered. And with all the work that he did during his rehab, I think he's come back and done extremely well for himself. But I'll also say, I think there's another level and another gear that this guy's going to hit as he gets more and more games under his belt. So that's an exciting thing for the Braves. Should be a scary thing for the rest of baseball. I mean, I, I look at what has gone on over the last two weeks. And the only downside here is that you lose Ozzy Albies to a broken foot. Now, let me just put this in context, Grant, not saying Ozzy Albies is a bad player or anything, but during the, the 12 of the 13 games that he was there for in the win streak, he batted 222 and had an OBP of 250 and uh, didn't steal a single base. Not that it's a good thing that he's hurt, but in reality, like it's not like this was an impactful part of this streak that losing him all of a sudden you know, dynamically changes the trajectory of this team, at least offensively from what we've seen prior to the win streak happening. I'm not going to downplay the loss of Ozzy Albies because it goes beyond simply maybe what he was hitting over the last couple of weeks. And this has not been his year thus far. It's not lined right. up with the, the numbers that he put up in 2021. It hasn't really approached what I feel like was maybe his best all-around season of 2019. But when you lose your everyday second baseman, when you lose one of the you know most dynamic and energetic players that you have on the field, a guy that you know you go to battle with every single day, that does make a difference to a club. I mean, yeah, Ozzy wasn't the guy that was hitting all of the biggest home runs and all of the biggest hits, but he's a guy that goes out there, makes plays, and has been a huge part of the success the Braves have had for the last four years. And that's something that is going to be missed every single day. So. It's going to be a couple of months, a couple of long months for the Braves to kind of find out what it's like to play without Ozzy Albies for an extended period of time. Other than the COVID-shortened season of 2020, that's never really been the case. He's an everyday guy, and that does change, I think, the dynamics again, to use that word, the makeup and the overall personality of this club in ways that are going to be hard to replace. And Orlando Arcia has been, you know, has played admirably in a, in a small sample size, and hopefully he's able to carry that over and continue. He's been an everyday player at the big leagues before. And it'll be interesting to see how he responds to the opportunity and what the Braves do perhaps going forward as they're without Ozzy Albies for a minimum of two months. Starting pitching has started to round out into form. Uh, and I, that's a big part of this. Let's not for one second, you know, forget where uh, 
where this this team was. Um, but you know, Kyle Wright is obviously doing what he's doing. Max Fried is, you know, back to back to form. Uh, Spencer Strider, who's starting tonight for the Braves, really seems to have, uh, have filled in that back end of the rotation that they're pretty comfortable with at this point. Uh, I mean, what can what else can we say about this young man other than the mustache? You know, I mean, he's been pretty impressive so far. I don't know. I think the whole the package is pretty impressive. It kind of gives me that gunslinger vibe. I think that's why he was getting all those Doc Holiday references and whatnot uh, early on in the season. But look, they needed an answer in the fifth spot of the rotation. They do have, I think, a couple of guys that are still searching for the consistency. Charlie Morton, it's kind of been an all-season thing. There have been flashes of the Charlie Morton, we know, but it hasn't been consistently the quality of the outings every fifth day for him at all in 2022. That's something I didn't necessarily expect when I was looking at how is the Braves rotation going to respond? How is it going to look and how is it going to come together this year? Ian Anderson's been way more good than bad, but there's been a lot of inconsistency in his game from start to start and even within starts. And I think we saw an example of that in Washington in the series opener. But overall, yeah, you got to like what the starting rotation's doing, success they have, and the fact that they do have what they believe is an answer to the fifth spot after trying five or six different pitchers. That is a big thing, and hopefully they're going to be getting Mike Soroka back at some point in half. That could be a boost to this club as well, just if Mike is anything close to what he has shown over the course of his young career. But keeping in mind, it's been a couple of years since he's been on a big league mound. So the rotation success makes the bullpen more successful, makes the club more successful. And with the offense that they've got rolling right now, this is a club that knows how to win games. Not that he is solely responsible for – 13 consecutive games being won. But for a guy who's got a World Series ring around his finger, there's still a lot of folks in this town who question the aptitude of Brian Snitker as a manager. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, I do still have questions about the way he handles the bullpen sometimes, although the roster seems to have alleviated that just because it's so cookie cutter now. You know, Smith, Jansen, I mean, it seems almost, you know, foolproof. But that said, um, yeah, he has this closed-door meeting with the team. On the 1st of June, they go out, they win 13 straight. The only question is, why didn't he have this closed-door meeting at the 1st of May? And we might not have been in this spot to begin with. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily what the club needs at that time, and just a couple of three right. weeks into the season. If you're having closed-door meetings a little at that point, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're sending a message to your club, of, hey, guys, I'm not sure we really believe in you or this or what's <laughs> happening right now. So it's time to go ahead and make that call to the altar and see if everybody is going to get I don't know. Uh, it's this club kind of underperformed and there's no two ways about that over the first six or seven weeks of the season started to kind of find itself. Then went out to Arizona. It was that game. It was the way that they had lost and there were a hand, but the way that they lost that second game in Arizona, I think really gave everybody the, the pause to say, look, we should have won that game. And, and as a matter of fact, there's about six more of these probably somewhere in the schedule that we should have won to this point to even just be in and around and above 500 where at, this club is a better than 500 team the way it's guys even with different guys struggling it was just time and that's i think what a good manager knows he lets guys have the space to work through the things that they need they need to it gives them the opportunity to do that by continuing to put them in the lineup you can't just be sitting guys down every couple of days but he struck out three times or made these are the guys that were in the lineup the pieces around i think might have helped a little bit Getting the occasional day off here and there can help a little bit. And then when it's time down and just have a frank discussion or a long discussion about why things are the way they are, 
this is what I think a good leader does. But Brian allows, to me, the club to really find its own personality and its own characteristics and, and to be the group and the unit that they are with very little meddling. He's not walking around the clubhouse every check in with everybody at their locker. This is allowing professionals to come in and do the things that they're capable of doing. It just took a, think, a longer while for this club to maybe find its identity. But if this 13-game winning streak is any indication, this is a winning ball club, and they've got about 100 games to figure this thing out down the stretch. So too early, too late, I don't know. You know, jokes aside, it's a good thing that the Braves found themselves in the month of June with this 13-game winning streak because if they didn't, it was going to be a harder and harder and harder hill to climb to catch up with the New York Mets. And, and oh, by the way, I, I mean, not to take a victory lap, but I, I said this back in the beginning of May that, you know, the Mets weren't going to continue to play 7-10 baseball like they were through the first, you know, month plus of the season. I mean, still they're still playing 644 baseball, which is, which is very good. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where they did come back down to earth. Nobody really wants to recognize that as part of the reason why, yes, a 13-game win streak is great. I don't want to take anything away from the Braves, but part of gaining five and a half games, whatever it was now, six games, is – the fact that the team in front of you, you know, played 500 ball for the course of the last two weeks, and, and that's enough to make up some ground. Yeah, it, it opens the door, and it's a little, little of column, a little of column B. But, you know, I saw a tweet from Valley Sports this morning that said, hey, 135 and 27 seasons still on the table for the Atlanta Braves. Is that going to happen? Of course not. But <laughs> do they have the opportunity to put in a great season despite their slow start? They absolutely do. Again, you're beating the teams you're supposed to beat. To go back to that, you know, what would the same people complaining about a winning against below 500 teams be saying if, oh, well, we split the four games with the Rockies, and, oh, well, we lost two out of three to the Nationals, and, oh, well, we went into such and such and got swept ourselves. People would be hitting the panic button. They'd be wondering what's wrong with this club. They'd be saying, fire Brian Snitker, trade all these people, do all this thing. I had people in my mentions on Twitter a month ago, less than a month ago, talking about how it's, it's time to rebuild or the Braves are going to find themselves in a bad place. So they need to cash in all their chips, start over, just keep Acuna and move everybody else out. And it's a long baseball season. So you're going to hear a lot of different, you know, um, I don't know. It, it's like the, the stages of grief, it's not a straight line. And I think yeah, people yeah. were a little upset, a little emotional and, and feel themselves a bit after some of those frustrating losses. But trust me, nobody feels it more than the team does. They have figured out ways to work it out. And once the offense started clicking, this is what I talked about all year long. This club has too many good hitters to be going the way that it was going for the first two months of the season. He is Grant McCauley. You'll hear him on 92.9. Check out from the Diamond, his own personal podcast. And, of course, check him out on the Braves postcast right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Always great to hear from your buddy. Let's go for 14, and we'll talk to you again real soon. That sounds great. All right, uh, we will take a time out, come back and wrap things up here on this Wednesday. You guys stay with us. It's A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z, Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us that thumbs up thing, the like, the subscribe, all the deal. You know how it is. I'm not so adept at all that level of social media stuff i'm just kind of annoying on twitter and that's about it where well, you can follow me at mark zeno and locked on atl uh i do want to give you a little gambling nugget coming up here and it concerns the atlanta braves so we'll get to that coming up uh in just a moment but now it's time to hand out a shovel of wisdom 
brace yourselves because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Hey, you know how we do it every day, hand out a shovel of wisdom. You can do so on my Twitter account at Mark Zinno. Just use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today we got a tandem shovel. And today the shovel goes to Zach Collier and the Men's College World Series. Yeah, uh, get this. And I guess the NCAA is part of this, the College World Series of Omaha. Zach Collier is a 27-year-old history teacher in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and a Texas A&M alumnus. Um, he was supposed to perform the national anthem uh, at the College World Series, and it was canceled because he made a horns down gesture. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see it. But if you're just listening to a podcast, you know, the hook em horns thing, you just point him to the ground. Um, he made a hands down gesture before the Women's College World Series final between Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah. Let me get this straight here. Okay. Um, we didn't let somebody perform the national anthem because of a hand gesture. Uh, and the NCAA called the gesture offensive. Uh, ooh, thumbs down. Offensive? Really? Like that's that, that's the exact same equivalent. Now, Collier says that he's performed the national anthem at several sporting events in the last 10 years, including several Texas A&M sporting events, uh, Houston Astros, Texas Rangers. You know, it, look, and, and he said he understood why someone might take offense to the gesture during an anthem performance. And I guess he did it during an anthem performance um, when he was singing in the Women's College World Series. Like, I don't think you should do anything like that during the national anthem, so you get the shovel for that. But the idea that the NCAA or the College World Series said that horns down is offensive? Oh, dear Lord, come on. It's been around forever. No one's claimed it's offensive. I mean, uh, you want to say it's not proper to do it during the national anthem? 100% agree. Calling horns down offensive? Oh, my God. Grow up, people. Like, is everything offensive in 2022? Is that what it is? We're just generally offended at life? Because that's what it feels like, offended. Got to man up a little bit here. I'm sorry, I can't say man up. That's probably offensive to somebody too. While we're at it, all right. Um, I want to give you a little gambling nugget here, and I've been looking out for this. And this is interesting if you're into this sort of thing. But just watch tonight as a Braves fan. Spencer Strider takes the hill for the Atlanta Braves, and uh, he is everything that you want him to be, and a whole lot more. All that in a bag of chips, right? Uh, and since he's come up now. You know, I've watched him with his strikeout rate, and it's been something that's really, really impressive. So Strider's K rate is, like, through the roof. And he has now made – this is going to be his fifth start, I want to say. Right? Let me just double-check the numbers here because he's made a bunch of relief appearances. Oh, it's going to be his fourth start. Okay. So his previous three starts against Arizona, Colorado, and Pittsburgh. Um. He's went four and, a, four and a third, four, and then five and two thirds. In that time, he has struck out 20 batters in just 15 innings. That's really, really good. His K prop tonight is set at five and a half, over or under five and a half. Um, 
in the betting industry, we talk about it being juiced, meaning you're going to pay more, uh, of more vigorous, more vig, more juice to the over than you will to the under because he's that guy. However, the Washington Nationals are second in the American League, or second in baseball, I should say. They're not even in the American League. Second in baseball in strikeouts per nine innings, fewer strikeouts per nine innings behind only, I think it's the Indians. I'm sorry, offensive again. Guardians? <laughs> uh, see, I'm always offended. Nonetheless, Spencer Strider over five and a half Ks. I don't like to, to pay that much juice considering where it is, minus 125, minus 130, but I'm going to back Spencer Strider against one of the best K-rate teams in baseball, one of the lowest K-rate teams in baseball in the Washington Nationals. Um, Pittsburgh is a team that doesn't strike out a lot either. Uh, he struck out eight of those guys in five and two-thirds. As long as he can get into the fifth inning here, him getting to six shouldn't be a problem. He's went seven, five, and eight in his three starts already as far as uh, how many any, uh, many strikeouts he's got. So let's just watch this tonight and see where it goes because I think that it's going to be a lot of fun watching this young man pitch, uh, and you're going to see a ton of strikeouts going forward. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. Let's go get 14 Braves. Uh, I'm enjoying this. I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you guys are too. Uh, and we'll keep our fingers crossed to get 14 in a row and then see what happens next. It's going to be a, a very, very interesting set of, uh, of circumstances if they keep this thing going. We'll be back tomorrow. Normal show. No Falcons mini camp to get to, but we'll obviously have reactions. You guys stay with us. Follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL at Mark Zeno. You guys have a great day. Don't forget to crap anybody. See you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.